0: Thanks for tuning in to 7 Figure Fitness Business. Uh, I'm really excited about the topic we're going to be discussing this week. We're going to be talking about what is probably the most important skill you're going to need to learn if you're going to be a successful business owner. And that's how to specifically diagnose problems that occur in your business, break them down, find the root cause of that problem and solve it. And I think so many of you listening to this will probably find this a really difficult challenge. You know, a lot of the time, you know that something needs to be fixed, but it's hard to decide exactly what that is issue is, and how to step by step go through the processes of changing it. And so, just for a bit of context, about two to three months ago, with our fitness business, hypothyroid body transformation, we noticed that we had our no-show rates that had risen to about forty percent, and that was that was the highest that they'd been in some time, and it was actually impacting revenue and you know return on investment. And so, Gee, you really diagnosed the issue and it took you a little bit of time to to have the dividends pay off. But long story short now, we're at the point where we've had a huge improvement in our no-show rates and that's really affected the bottom line. So I wanted you to kind of go through the process of how you went about diagnosing the issue and solving it.
1: So I think the big thing, the big change that happened in the business was when we launched our new brand, Fit Over 50. Now, we kind of had to do that because the return on investment we were making with thyroid and menopause were going down a little bit. And we really raced out the new brand within a three-day sort of period. And what that resulted in was our no-shows, you know, swung all the way up. And a big part of that was the fact that we just didn't have strong enough branding. And it's a consistent theme I keep on seeing with our clients that the people in the course who are absolutely killing it, the ones making, you know, selling five figures a week plus, all have extremely,
0: extremely strong brand. Yeah, so Iggy, like, I mean, you obviously know quite a bit about the branding
2: aspect as well. So like, what's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, with the branding side of it, it's really important because people need to trust. And that we, talk, we teach our clients to like three levels of trust that people need to have in your brand and in your company in order to want to do business with you. They need to trust whoever the face of it is. So it could be you, it could be your coach. It, could, it doesn't matter who it is. Right, they need to trust whoever the face of it is, and know that you have their best interest at heart. And then number two, they need to trust the brand itself, right? So the company is it a legit company? How's your storefront? It needs to be professional. It needs to look like you're running a legit operation. And then number three, they need to trust your product, right? So in the way that you, everything that you do from the time like a prospect sees you needs to be building those three levels of trust, right? How you communicate to them needs to be building the trust in the fact that you are a man or woman of integrity and that you're going to do right by them, right? How you communicate about your, your business and what you put out as far as a company needs to build the trust in the fact that you're running a legitimate operation. And this isn't just a hobby that you're doing. This is something that you do for real and that you're professional, right? You carry yourself as such and you put out stuff that's going to add value to them And then number three, then you trust your product and how you communicate about and add the value of solving problems that that are presented in the minds of your prospect, how you're able to address those problems, communicates the fact that you actually have a, a product that fixes that problem. So with branding, if you're not able to do those things, then you're relying on a very active part of the market that really knows a problem and are quickly able to recognize you as a solution because they're so problem aware you're relying on those people and that's like maybe like 30 percent of the market you're relying on them to just be able to show up because they're so desperate for a solution this is like
1: the problem that we had with our brand it's like we rushed this brand we got it up within three days so what did we do we were effectively using very very similar ad copy to what we were using with thyroid and menopause it wasn't changed enough. When we had a landing page, I raced through it. So it wasn't specific enough. It wasn't talking to women who, you know, want to be fit over 50. When it comes to content, we didn't have a face of the business. We didn't have videos. People, you know, there wasn't someone to see and trust. When we communicated with our, you know, our messaging, we weren't talking the right language, right? So all of these things combined, it was like over a period of time, we fixed up each one. And it, you know, it was probably over the course of about 4 weeks where we really you know dug deep and fixed all of those things but it was like you could track it every single week and you know it's coming into week 8 now and we went from 40% and we're now sitting as low as about
0: 20%. Yeah, we've had some weeks that have been 20%. It's, it's had a phenomenal impact on the the bottom line at the end of each week. I think probably you know the debits have have risen by somewhere between 30 and 50k a week as a result of this change. I just wanted to take a step back so we can really kind of get inside the mind of a prospect. And if you think about it, you know, people are being bombarded with advertising every day in their life. And as a result of that, a lot of it just becomes things that we sort of block out. We don't tend to pay attention, and our brain filters a lot of these things out at a subconscious level where you don't necessarily pay attention to the standard messaging, which is why when you put out messaging, it has to really speak to, really attract or repulse the right or the wrong sort of people. And I think what was happening was that people were kind of interested enough to click on an ad and fill out a form, but they weren't interested enough and they weren't connected enough might be the best word that they actually wanted to to show up to that conversation. And it's like you guys have mentioned, it was about trust and a, and a lack of connection to what they were actually reading and seeing. And when we actually made it a lot more about the type of people that we wanted and we put a face, we had the videos and all that kind of stuff, It really made a difference. So we know the kind of the concepts behind this. What I thought would be really interesting, G, is to kind of break down some of the specific action steps that you and Sheree and the team actually took on the branding that made such a big difference. People
1: effectively don't trust us. They don't like us. They don't know us. So what we've done is we've made sure that they can't miss any of those things at all. So we started creating video ads on Facebook, and it was just a fifty-second video. Where people get to see sharia ceo's face saying hello bright and bubbly and you know for that reason they see her and then they want to click the button and go to the next page when they go to the next page they see you know they're going to see on our first landing page they're going to see another video of her talking and this video is a little bit longer that video is about four minutes so the first video has sold them into that page to watching the second video and throughout that page We've then, you know, being very, very picky with the copy that we use, really, really focusing on the pain points of women who are over the age of 50. And a large part of that is the body goes through natural changes and it's not the same. Their metabolism slowed down and they can no longer lose the weight that they wanted to, right? And just really, really just driving that home. And, you know, we had a copywriter go through, you know, big, big business, making that page perfect. Afterwards, they go to another page, they see Sheree again. So all of a sudden, they feel like they're talking to Sheree. They feel like there's a communication going on. And then we're having, at the same time, you know, we're having an actual conversation with people inside a Facebook Messenger. They're not actually talking to Sheree, but they feel like that voice, that message that's being communicated in text is identical to the conversation they've had. They then receive an automated text message from Sheree saying, hello, welcome. Thank you for booking your appointment right? And then all of those things are just coming together. Now, they're a real asshole after having that full communication process with Sheree if they decide to not show up to that call.
0: Yeah, this, this really impacts everything. The flow-on is huge. This impacts the number of people who click on an ad, who click on a landing page and, and sort of go through the next step, who go through some sort of a, a conversation funnel, the ones who successfully show up to the call. But even at that stage though, and this is something that I experience is if you get on a sales call with somebody who's gone through a really great nurturing sequence, it's night and day. You know, you mm. get people who are excited to be on the call. The worst thing you ever want as a salesperson is when you call someone at an intended time, they're like, Who is this? <laughs> Sorry, who? And then you're like, I'm from hypothyroid body transformation, or I'm from fit of a 50. And you can just tell that they're thinking, You know, WTF, who is this? Right. So it's like you want to be in a situation where these people are really kind of like chomping at the bit to speak to you. They're excited. You know they feel bought in. They've invested time and energy thinking about the possibilities of this. That's like the perfect scenario.
1: Desperation. They know they've read everything. They've got the relationship that you're the you know you're the person you're the team who is going to solve you know all their all their
2: problems. If you're late and they reach out to you and be like, hey, so I'm waiting. I'm I'm waiting for this opportunity. I'm waiting for this appointment. And that's one of the things where you know you've nailed the branding. Like if you're running a little bit late and they're like, hey, is the call still on? Like I was really looking yeah. forward to talk with Iggy or with Sheree or whoever it is, because that means you built that relationship and you really position yourself as a go-to expert. When you're able to do that, you're no longer, if, if you approach your marketing like you're building a relationship with a specific type of person. It's going to change the game for you in, t- in terms of how you run your campaigns, how you set up your messaging, how you communicate on your landing pages, on your confirmation pages and every step of the way. And the emails that you send them, if you really think about it, like I'm building a specific relationship with this type of person with my avatar and you communicate in a way that's like, wow, they listen to you and they'll, they feel that connection. Like, man, I can't wait to talk to Sharia. I can't wait to work with this with this person. Yeah. And that's really where I, I think the landscape and marketing is shifting to, right? Where people want to know who they're working with and want to know who they can trust, right? And you got to be able to give them that image and that avatar that that creates that mirror effect where they're looking at them like, wow, they see your brand, they see your offering, like I'm home. This is exactly what I need.
0: Completely agree. And this industry, let's be let's be honest, the weight loss industry is not an industry that is known for its high success rates, right? There's people out there putting shitty programs out all over the place. So your prospective buyer is already incredibly potentially wounded, skeptical, paranoid, untrusting. And they absolutely will not make a buying decision unless they feel that they do trust that you can be different, you can help them and that they like you. And doesn't it make all the sense in the world to get that trust and that likability factor to as high as you possibly can before that sales call even takes place. If you're dealing with a really skeptical or paranoid buyer who's kind of digging their heels in as the sales call begins, it's going to be much harder. It's going to require a much more talented closer to actually get them over the line. And so when we when we talk about business at a big level, it really is about statistics and small changes, 5% here, 5% there. That could be tens of thousands of dollars in revenue extra per week. So if we can improve our lead quality and nurturing, so that that alone is responsible for a five percent additional closing rate, that is just that's just one of the best things that you can possibly do.
1: We've got to remember here, like what high ticket actually is. You know, a lot of people mistake selling high ticket as a weight loss program that provides accountability and support, but actually, what we're doing here. Is we're changing people's identity we're solving the problem we're not just solving the problem that they need to lose weight we're solving the problem that they're over the age of 50 and things aren't the same and they know it and they can't lose weight anymore you know we're solving the problem of having hypothyroidism and they've never ever been able to lose weight in a sustainable way and keep it off so when you're selling that and you communicate that inside of your branding instead of hey do my weight loss program you get XYZ, that's when people get out the credit card, they drop two, three, or five thousand dollars because their problem is so painful. And that's the be, you know, that's the end. That's the end of the end, end of the problem.
2: If you can create that identity shift and show people who they're going to become as the result of working with you, that's where you've really nailed it. Right. If you can really give people like a clear visual of how you're going to help them transform. And that could be in the form of whoever is the face of the brand or whoever, you know, that ideal avatar wants to be like, or the result that they want to achieve. If you can kind of give them a, a path to to reaching their goal, then you, you've created something that's, that's going to build a movement, right? And I think when it comes to high ticket marketing or even high ticket sales, people get so focused on the the features right and they don't really focus on like what is the benefit like why are people working with you and they don't understand that people are buying an experience with you your company and your and your brand right that's really what they're buying they're not buying the weight loss they're buying that experience that you're going to create for them that transformation that they're going to get yeah um that ultimate result that's what they're buying that's exactly right
1: there's also another reason why people don't show
2: up to the calls and that's because they
1: forget how much pain they're in. Now, the branding is going to have an impact, but there's also a follow-up process that needs to happen to ensure that, hey, we're just nudging them a little bit, reminding them, hey, you're in pain, don't forget. And part of that is the conversation, the one-to-one conversation that we have with our prospects. And what we're doing there is we're uncovering, you know, we're shedding away a few layers. We're asking them what their goals are. Why do you want to achieve those goals? How is your life going to be different when you achieve those goals? And for them to take the time and think about that is so, so critical. So, you know, this is one thing. It's like when we launched this new brand, we weren't speaking the correct language. We were still speaking the language of thyroid or still speaking the language of menopause. And as they went through this entire process, they started to, you know, people start to, you know, people started to show up. And it was also then like, hey, how do we keep reminding them? And we always make sure like this has always been in our system, but it's like, what's the follow-up process like? At what point do we remind them? So we send out automated messages, automated emails, you know, automated text messages, just going, hey, check out this page or, you know, reminding them of their pain. I know like a lot of the guys in our program, what they do is they film a private video just saying, Hey, Mary, how's it going? And this is just like at the gym. I can't wait to talk to you today so that they see the face on camera to remind them and also so that they feel safe knowing they're talking to that person. They see Again, they're seeing that person's face and they get reminded of what's going to take place today, the call and the pain that they're in.
0: Yeah, the problem could be, it's amazing how multifaceted, just based on what you said then, G, the the no-show problem is so multifaceted and it would be very challenging for a lot of people to see this as one issue and then actually determine how to break down the specific variables. And it's something that both of you guys are really good at. You both have that analytical mind where you've got the ability as visionaries to diagnose and, and solve these kind of problems. We're talking about how to do that on the episode today. How do you guys actually break down these sorts of issues and sort of start taking action? What's the What's the mindset or what's the thought pattern when you go into a process like this? When you see something in the business that the result isn't what we want and you go all the way back to the source and start breaking that down into action steps.
1: What I always do is I break things down into numbers. So we know precisely what our no-show rate is. I think at our very worst week, it was 41%. But what broke down that 41%, right? So we know that um, on top of that, we had 20% of people who are bad fits. We know on top of that, there was 10% of people who canceled their calls. And what we do is we effectively make all of these changes inside of the business and we see what impact that has on a week-to-week basis. And you know, if we're able to track that, we kind of see that, hey, the no-shows went down to 35%. And this is what we do in our weekly Monday morning team meeting. We get out the numbers, the team reviews it, and then I say, okay, well, we got down to 35%. I want to keep on you know, what we did last week seemingly worked, let's double down a little bit further and keep working on the brand and, you know, building and building it. And it's what I like to call brand equity because brand isn't like you have brand or you don't. It's something that you're continuously building on throughout the duration of your program. So, you know, for us, one of the big things that we've done during this time is we've brought on a branding specialist, a full-time staff member whose sole job is just effectively to be creating content, sending out emails, writing posts, Creating infographics and making sure that our message is being communicated extremely, extremely clearly. So basically, it's a numbers game. If you yeah. understand the numbers of your business, you're able to make changes that impact it, see results, and repeat.
0: This has been a huge thing. I've noticed this change in in the business since you started the dashboarding. So dashboard effectively is where you have a spreadsheet that kind of maps out every single layer. It talks about ad spend. You know, cost per lead and you know, it's got cost per conversation, cost per booking, cost per show up, cost per sale. And because of every single step of that and the way that G or Iggy do that in, in their businesses, what it means is that at any one week, they can analyze not just based on that particular week itself, but they can look at the past and they can make a decision based on that analysis. Well, we get an idea of sort of averages and what they usually should be. So we were able to, you know, diagnose that the, the no-show rate is going up. But if you get to a point where in any one week, you can see that something's actually started to change. It has made it easier to sort of start isolating the variables. And, and it's had a really positive impact. You know, that is something I know that is a part of the mastermind, right, is that you actually teach the members how they can diagnose and, and sort of break down problems through the numbers as well, correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, those are my sessions that I do, my group sessions that I do with most of our members, it's the one-on-ones that we book in. Well, how do the numbers that you've got impact the business? Because a lot of the time people, the fact that they've got no-shows and they'll go, oh, the system isn't working, right? No, the system's identical for every single person who's in the program. The difference between people who
2: have high no-show rates and
1: low show rates
2: is the branding. And that's where... I think our process is very similar, AJ, as far as like diagnosing those problems. The most important thing is having one variable that you're manipulating at a time. And this is the biggest problem that a lot of clients run into. They're trying to fix so many, make so many changes at the same time. They have no idea what's actually working. Whereas like, If you know your numbers and you're like, okay, well, let me, even if you're just learning how to diagnose these issues and learning how to analyze these numbers for the first time, if you focus on just manipulating one variable, then you know if there was a change, right? The following week and you look at your numbers, like, well, this was the only thing that I changed, right? All right, let me continue with this the next week and see if there's a pattern, right? Did this have this kind of impact on the business? I changed this and then these were the numbers. All right, Mm -hmm. so let me just leave everything the same Right. That variable that I changed last week, let's move it into this week and see if it if it has the same kind of positive impact. When you start focusing on really addressing one thing at a time, then you can start to see the, the cause and effect of the thing that you're manipulating. Right? Whereas a lot of people make an amateur mistake of trying to fix everything at the same time. And then even if it does work, you have no idea why it worked or what caused it to work or what you what you can do to replicate it. So when you run into a different kind of problem, you're trying to change everything as well. And then you're like, well, I can't figure out why this isn't working anymore.
1: People do that for a really interesting reason. It's because they're impatient and they want results right now. And they're keeping, you know, their eyes on can I make three sales this week instead of two? When in reality, what you've got to be looking at is the long-term gain. Like, you know, the system that we teach our clients, it's not about making money tomorrow. It's about how much money you're making in six months, one year, you know, two years down the track. And what we're doing here is you're building and learning a system. And when you take the time to change one thing at a time, figure out what's doing, you get faster feedback. And that feedback that you've got is what you use to keep on improving your business. And even if your business improves by 1% per week, you multiply that out. By a year, you've got 52 different weeks of changes that you've made after being able to get that feedback on the data. All of a sudden, you're here rather than changing one thing, changing it back, changing it again, changing it back. And it's kind of like weight loss, people going up and down with their weight, trying a whole bunch of different things. When in fact, you should just stick to small changes over a long period of time, which results in huge success after a longer period of time like six months.
2: Me and the team were actually talking about this this morning. It's like helping people really understand the bigger picture. You know, you really got to build with the end in mind and understand that you're trying to build something legitimate and something that's going to last for a long time. We don't want any flash in the pan businesses where like a lot of different programs will just help you make a couple sales one week and then the rest of the time your business is just free falling because there's nothing there to sustain it. Right, So how can we build something that you can sustain long term? It's not just about making sales in one week, but it's like, how can you have a business that's going to be around by this time next year, but actually be in a better place by this time next year versus just thinking so narrow minded? So if you look at it now where it's like, I want to know the cause and effect of the changes that I'm making in the business and how it's affecting the business as a whole, Once you start focusing on isolating one thing at a time, by the end of a year span, you're like, wow, I know I can see how all these different variables affect the business. So when you go to launch a brand or a new brand, you know exactly, Okay, I'm going to start with this. Now, when you launch it, the chances of it being successful and you being able to replicate the results in a shorter period of time is way higher because you know exactly which variables to manipulate if something does break right? And then there's just that muscle that you just becomes muscle memory. And that translates into literally any business that you create, right? It translates into what we're doing with Systems by Design and everything else that we're doing in our our business. But it's like, it's the same process. It doesn't change.
0: It's a really important lesson. Like the numbers really do give you the ultimate confidence. Gee, how many times do like salespeople in our team contact you on any one week and go, gee, the leads suck this week. And you're like, okay. And then you look at the scoreboard and ultimately our conversion rate as a team is up. Our no-show rate's down. Our bad fit percentage ratio is down. Like, so as a team, the leads are incredibly good. You can see that. But, you know, it happens often. You've got one emotional salesperson, you know, as we tend to be, who's like, these leads are terrible. And if you listen to that emotional, you know, feedback from that one person, you could actually buy into that narrative and change everything. right? Like imagine watching a grand final in your favorite sporting match and there was literally no timer and the ref just ended the game whenever they felt like it. I mean, it would be incredibly, like if you were to guesstimate the time of the match, it'd be excruciating. Some people would think that the game went for too short. Some people think it went too long. Like the reason we have a timer and a scoreboard is so that we can actually determine where we're at and we can make decisions accordingly based on what's happening. It's incredibly important. And I think it's probably been one of the most important lessons that has been you know implemented into our successful businesses is to be run based on an analysis of the numbers not emotion
1: it's very interesting isn't it we had one of our best weeks that we've had for some time last week yep. we sold 80 people of which you know i think over 40% were in our premium program and of which i think about 25% at least were paid in fulls that's yep. a fantastic week it's huge money, huge money. Mm-hmm. And you, I still had salespeople say, oh, the leads were no good this week. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, imagine as a business owner, if you're listening to that and going, oh, the leads were crap, I'm going to make changes. Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to do the same thing every single day of the week. So, you know, like I sympathize with the salespeople. I talk to them about it. And then I just point out the numbers and say, hey, look, we had a really great week. I understand you might've had a few tough leads this week, but as a team, we absolutely killed it right? We smashed it. And I think like people have short memories. They always remember the last thing that happened, the last phone call, the last bad experience. When yeah. in fact, sometimes, you know, that's what emotion affected. That's an issue with emotion in business. You're focused on the now. Whereas when you step back logically and you're able to, you know, from me, I look at the business from upper level, I can see exactly what's going on. I can see those numbers coming through every single week. Now, let's take this back to an individual who's in our program. They get off the phone. They get rejected. They didn't like the person that they were talking to. And that's one call. The lead quality is crap.
0: Can I give an example on this? Just (laughs) yesterday, Nicole, who's one of our amazing members, she sent me a message in Slack saying, hey, somebody put it online that my program's a scam. What do I do? And my first question was, I said, basically, put it in context, like, what percentage of people that you're dealing with on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis have so far said that? And it was like, we're talking about absolutely nothing and you're never going to please everybody. But if she decided, well, someone's called her a scammer, it's time to shut down the whole business, right? It's a completely irrational decision. So in a case like that, you can get confidence knowing that the vast majority of people love and appreciate what you're doing. And, you know, if somebody's not happy with it, you're okay because it's like, we're talking about 1% here, right? Or something less than that. So yes. numbers will bring you that, they'll give you that confidence.
2: And and what's what's hilarious is sometimes, and this is for you, for those of you guys who are running your businesses, you gotta make sure you are not letting your emotions override the numbers. And we'll have clients whose numbers are phenomenal. They're getting a 10 to one return on their spend and they still have an itch to change shit <laughs> in their business just because they, they, they don't know what to do with their hands. <laughs> yeah. And they feel like they have to change something. It was like, just focus on letting the numbers drive the decisions that you make. And if something's working, stop looking for, <laughs> for an excuse to make a change. Just let it work and feed it more, more data.
1: I've got a really great example from this from our live call last night one of our clients, um, he's getting a 10 to 1 ROI. So for every dollar he spends on ads, he gets back $10. And I'm like, imagine if you went to the casino and picked your number 23, and it just kept on spinning in roulette, 23, 23, 23. You're You're making a shitload of money. And it's an interesting concept because he's complaining about the quality of the leads. He was complaining that things aren't, you know, the business isn't going well. And then he, saw, he said to me that, oh, look, in Ireland, we have to pay 23% um, VAT, VAT, or GST, as we call it in other countries, on all of his ads because there was no way of getting that off Facebook. And I'm like, so if we factor in that 23% on your ads, you're still getting an 8.5 to 1 ROI. Just keep spending money. And it was a real, I think it was a real breakthrough for him. Because I was like, okay, so all you have to do right now is spend as much money as you pro- can profitably to get a return. Because what people think is like a ten to one or an eight point five to one. People go, oh, but I had to spend an extra, you know, three dollars or fifteen dollars or whatever that number is to get a lead. But in reality, imagine if you just scaled it ten times, right? And people are worried about that extra fifteen bucks, but you could have scaled it ten times through. You spend one hundred and fifty, and you're getting. <laughs>
2: Like, I like to put it into like a term where it's just like, it makes how how ridiculous the logic is just becomes amplified. So imagine if if you give me a dollar and I give you $10 back, mm-hmm. right? And then you give me $2 and I give you $20 and you're like, but I have to give you $2. Does <laughs> it make sense? This
0: is how we get to the point now where you spend roughly $30,000 dollars. Every week, because every time you spend thirty thousand, someone gives you back one hundred and fifty thousand, right? And if you can get that down to the point where you know your, if you get your cost per acquisition down, you realize approximately the ROI, the return on investment for you to advertise and get a sale and the money in your bank. If you can work that out, it becomes literally where it's like you give me one dollar, I'll give you five. Well, if you know that that's the ratio, wouldn't it make sense that you give me ten and I'll give you fifty? And wouldn't it make sense then you give me a hundred and I'll give you five hundred? And then why don't we play the game at a higher level? And you give me a thousand, I'll give you five. So it's like if you get it down to the consistency where you can fairly reliably control the variables and get it to that point, wouldn't it make sense to actually follow the logic and to keep on as long as you're doing it with the numbers? to continue increasing your ad spend to a certain point.
1: Yeah, back back to the casino, right? If you knew that every single time the roulette wheel was going to spin <laughs> up- to have a casino. You, you would be begging, borrowing, stealing whatever money you could. Right. Imagine if you, even if you have limited opportunities at it, you know, you don't know necessarily what variables are going to change, but the same thing is, and the reason why people don't spend that additional money, yes, it's mindset, but it comes down to confidence. It comes down to overwhelm. It comes down to uncertainty and fear of failure. Yeah. And the more and more like time I spend with our clients, the more I realize how much mindsets actually involve and in overcoming these blocks, which are preventing us from moving forward. And like the thing is, if you look at us, like within a four year period of time, we've scaled to where we are to a business that did 150K in um sales last week. It's just like, how did we do that? We just spent as much money as we possibly could profitably.
0: This has been a killer episode. I hope everyone's found it really, really useful. The moral of the story is, you know, don't be guided by your emotions. You know, if you're, maybe we should just call the episode, oh, are you upset? (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, though. when when it comes down to it, though, as long as you actually understand the numbers, how to analyze them and use those numbers to make decisions that are rational, logical, based on genuine results and facts, you're going to be far more successful. So, Hope you've all found that really interesting and we will see you on the next episode.